What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. David Puel works on on-chain research at ARK Invest. In this conversation, we review their Bitcoin monthly report. We also talk about the BTC ETH trading pair, and we look at the merge. David is one of the best on-chain analysts in the world, and I really enjoyed talking to him. Before we get into this episode, though, I first want to talk about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amber Data. If you're a financial institution entering the digital asset class, you'll need access to granular on-chain and market data from multiple venues to power research, trading, risk management, and compliance. Amber Data delivers comprehensive data and insights into blockchain networks, crypto markets, and decentralized finance, empowering financial institutions to apply traditional finance methods to digital assets. Amber Data eliminates the infrastructure setup, integrated challenges, and maintenance headaches to access digital assets data, reducing cost and time to market to enter the digital asset class. Learn more and download their digital asset data guide at www.amberdata.io slash pomp. Again, that's amberdata.io slash pomp. Go check them out today. This episode is brought to you by Alto IRA. They can help you invest in Bitcoin and crypto in a tax advantage way. That helps you preserve your hard-earned money. Alto's Crypto IRA lets you invest in Bitcoin and over 200 other different coins and tokens, and it has all the same tax advantages of your traditional IRA. There's no setup or account fees, and it's all you need to do, invest in crypto tax-free. Let me repeat that again. You can invest in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies tax-free. So are you ready to take your investments to the next level? Diversify like the pros and trade without tax headaches. Open an Alto Crypto IRA to invest in Bitcoin and crypto tax-free. Go to altoira.com slash pomp. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash pomp. Start investing today. This episode is brought to you by Unstoppable Domains. They've partnered with blockchain.com to create NFT domain names ending in .blockchain. It's the perfect ending to show that you're a believer in a decentralized future. The blockchain.com community can join a short waitlist to get one for free at blockchain.com slash waitlist slash blockchain domain. Free NFT domains provide all the benefits of premium unstoppable domains, including fee-free lifelong ownership. If you don't have a blockchain.com wallet, no worries. There's new free domains available to everyone. Either join the waitlist for a free blockchain.com domain or visit unstoppabledomains.com to buy your domain today, starting as low as $5. Unstoppabledomains.com. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got David here. Uh, David, you guys recently put out at ARC uh, a brand new monthly update for Bitcoin, uh, and you also talk a little bit about the merge. And I thought a great place that we could start was some of the on-chain analytics, which you're very, very familiar with. Um, And when we go ahead and we take a look at these on-chain analytics, you can see that the 200 weak moving average continues to serve as kind of this uh, great point of support for Bitcoin's price. Talk a little bit as to why this is so important and, and why you guys continue to uh, to evaluate this. Well, you can look at it on uh, through several lenses. Um, and it's, it's in essence a four-year trend, you know, related to the halving cycle, which is uh, hypothetically a, a very important time horizon for Bitcoin and therefore all crypto. Um, historically, uh, that you know, the first instance of the 200-week moving average was around 20, 
2015, I believe. And it has marked reliably bottoms for um, all the cycles in Bitcoin so far. And including, uh, you know, major crashes like the COVID, COVID meltdown in 2020. So it's a very important, all the technical metric, a very important metric for us to keep just track of a general uh, status of the overall market structure and primary trend. And then when we look at something like uh, the Bitcoin investor cost basis, one of the things that's fascinating to me is the investor cost basis was actually higher a couple of months ago, but it's trended down as the price has come down. And Bitcoin still sits above that uh, current investor cost basis. Talk a little bit about the importance of that serving as support and also uh, that it is a moving target, right? It doesn't just kind of always go up in these situations. It it does go down and, and why that's important as well. Right. So the investor cost basis is calculated as follows, right? Um, you take realized cap, which is the general cost basis of the market, uh, meaning you aggregate the um, all coins at the point with, where each last moved or was last bought, right? And then from that, you subtract uh, thermal cap or thermal price, which is, in essence, the cumulative um, sum of minor revenue through time. So what you're basically doing is capturing the actual delta in all moved coins and subtracting minor activity out of the equation. Uh, and what, what you're left with is actual investor cost basis, which if you see the graph there is uh, reliable for marking um, bottoms throughout the history of Bitcoin. Uh, now, importantly, we, are, we, we have touched that threshold twice uh, in the last few months. Uh, it's currently at 19,000 and change. Um, so it's, it's very important to us from a first principles and also a battle-tested um, backward-looking basis to determine um, a potential bottom for the cycle, uh, given that investors would like to defend that uh, level uh, severely, um, given its importance. Got it. And then if we look at the long-term versus the short-term uh, cost basis here, those seem to be crossing over. And I know that you guys call out in the report that that tends to mark a cyclical bottom. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you, you want to look for specificity in terms of timing on when to, let's say, look for B bottom or, or whatever approximate approximation to that. Uh, so I'll first go through explaining a little bit of what determines a short-term holder or the short-term holder cost basis and the long-term holder equivalent of that. Long-term holders or the coins of that cohort are basically the Bitcoins that uh, haven't moved in 155 days or more. And conversely, short-term holders are coins or supply that has been moved in the last 155 days. Now, this number is not arbitrary. It's actually quite important given the history of Bitcoin. There's some statistical analysis that has been done on the metric that determined that that 155 threshold, and it varies from analyst to analyst. Sometimes it's 140. I've seen iterations on 120, but for overall that six to five to six month time horizon is very important because uh, historically, the probability of a single coin moving after that 155-day threshold uh, drops severely to, let's say, less than 3% overall. So dormancy of coins in Bitcoin have a, a Lindy effect, 
And that Lindy effect um, goes exponential after that 155-day uh, horizon. So what we do here is determine, okay, we have our respective supply cohorts, long-term holder, short-term holder, and then we, we assign a cost basis to each. Uh, and what we found, um, going back to the three last major cycles of Bitcoin, is that whenever um, the short-term holder cost basis, which is usually higher than the long-term holder cost basis, uh, because it's packed with speculators and that sort of uh, market actor. Um, when that short-term holder cost basis goes below the long-term holder one, it marks a very um, reliable um, bottom uh, cyclically. Now, the, our assumption from first principles is that this happens because um, the market has reached an equilibrium be between speculators and actual long-term holder um, market participants and also um, the cost base and the supply starts to shift from um, um, short-term holder activity and holding into the long-term holder bracket. Um, as you can see in the, in the chart, it, when, when you have that crossover event, it's very reliable, not only for suggesting a general area of the bottom, but also like precisely picking out timing and environments where you can, um, you know, upgrade your, your bullish com conviction. Now, this goes, we're matching this chart to, to, to the following one, which would be the long-term holder supply. And we're already seeing um, this take, to take effect from another perspective. So what you're seeing here is the long-term holder supply, um, which is about, um, it's about 70% of total outstanding supply today. Um, uh, as of um, as of the publication of the Bitcoin Monthly, it it hadn't reached all time highs. It's now uh, at brand new all time highs, um, which is uh, increases the conviction uh, overall. You know, being you know the the supply getting squeezed, uh, getting illiquid, and becoming even more inelastic. Now, uh, go, going back to the the crossover event. At the publication of the Bitcoin Monthly a, a few days ago, that number, the delta between short-term holder and long-term holder was about uh, $2,500. Now it's about, about $900. So it's, you know, coming up fast. When you think about uh, this long-term holder supply, we continue to see it reach close to, if not all-time highs. We're closing in on 14 million Bitcoin being held by long-term holders. Uh, obviously, only 21 million ever. There's about 19 million or so that are out into uh, circulation. Uh, is there a point where there becomes concern about Bitcoin being too illiquid? Like just nobody will spend it and everyone's just holding it long-term. Uh, and so like the number could get too high or is it just classic number go up technology and the more people are holding, the less liquid the market, the more increase in demand, it leads to a price increase in the future. There's some truth to, to that latter statement, but um, regardless of, of anything, uh, we expect a general um, equilibrium in the market between um, several factors. One is issuance being less and less over time. Uh, we all know that part. So therefore, the asymptotic curve in total circulating supply over time, we've seen that chart, uh, very familiar with that. Uh, but most importantly, other factors uh, are, you know, show some interesting signals. So for instance, there's less 
issuance coming into the system, but um, there's been less coins being lost because they're more valuable over time, right? So that increases a little bit the 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 liquidity of Bitcoin overall. Uh, and on top of that, um, both illiquid and long-term holder supplies um, are, are increasingly... Um, so basically, as this, you're having less issuance over time. In addition, you're having less lost coins. So that increases a little bit uh, the, the, the overall number of coins that could be traded at any given time. But on top of that, given that uh, Bitcoin is more valuable, illiquid and long-term supply are also being in, uh, increased over time, given that Bitcoin has more value historically. So the market is actually noticing that. Um, they're losing less coins, but they're saving them instead, which is a, a very important observation that I think most people are not aware of. And then if we go and we look at uh, the ETH-BTC trading pair, you guys explicitly call this out as having outperformed Bitcoin. Talk a little bit about the trading pairs in general. Why is this one so important? And then what is the significance of it having outperformed something like Bitcoin? Yeah, uh, so let's talk about the merge, despite that the report is called the Bitcoin monthly, right? Um, the impact of Ethereum in the overall crypto market and therefore relative um, price action to Bitcoin is pretty much uncontested right now. Um, and what we've seen, as you see in the chart there, is starting in more or less 2021, a trading, uh, a trading range has been established in the ETH BTC pair and has not left that uh, trading pair so forth. Now, the upper bound of that trading pair is very near um, the, the all-time highs seen in at the latest 2020, 2018, I believe. Um, so we're, we're watching that break, break up, breakout in, in case it happens. In terms of the merge as a narrative and also a fundamental event for the history of Ethereum, um, if of course, it, it, it imposes tail risk in the whole system, but uh, expecting success on, on the um, transition from proof of work to proof of stake, we, we expect that narrative to um, be very in favor of Ethereum and therefore overall crypto sentiment and the technology, the blockchain technologies as a whole. Uh, so we're keeping an eye on that. Uh, it, there's a lot of talk of you know the merge being a seldom used or in this case, sell the event. event. Um, so we're keep, keeping a close eye on that, um, watching how price action behaves relative to such an important uh, occurrence. When you begin to look at how derivative traders uh, are handling the merge, it's always fascinating to see, like, what is the market doing? We know the merge is coming. Uh, we know that people are uh, uh, talking about it. We know that it is going to uh, create change, whether you think it's a good change, a bad change, whether it's going to prove the point of the critics or the proponents, like change is coming. How are traders actually playing this? So you can see but Ethereum is the most hedged asset in the crypto market right now. And that's um, unquestioned and also not surprising. Uh, you can see it both in the futures market and the, um, and the options market. So in terms of the futures market, you have backwardation, which is extremely uncommon for Ethereum uh, and Bitcoin as well. Um, most of this is um, the assumption is especially large, large traders are um, uh, hedging their position 
um, and you know, selling contracts and, and buying spot, therefore um, producing backwardation in the asset, a major backwardation. Uh, in terms of op- options, you know, open interest in that market cohort is at all-time highs, even valued in Ethereum. Um, forget about dollar valuation. So in terms of Ethereum, if you see the, the, the green line in the chart there, it has been extremely consistent, right? Um, you, you pretty much see it go up and then slightly down as expirations amount over time since 2020. But since January 2022, you, you see a, a, a steep increase in, in Ethereum's open interest, you know, as the merge gets priced into um, the, the market structure and the general sentiment in the options market. And if we stay on this topic for a second, obviously the merge is uh, uh, something that the proponents would look at as a positive catalyst, uh, but there's been some negative catalysts as well. Uh, I had somebody on the uh, podcast uh, who is uh, an attorney. He was talking a lot about First Amendment uh, and things around tornado cash, and that brings us to uh, kind of these OFAC sanctions and and some of the uh, uh, tools that are being used to address, whether it's in the DeFi world, um, but even a, a concern that maybe it will come for privacy. Uh, maybe it will come for even in the Bitcoin community. Like, how do you all think of these OFAC sanctions and, and their efficacy uh, in tamping down maybe some of the excitement or use of, uh, of these technologies? Certainly a, a concern. I think fungibility, privacy and therefore fungibility is, uh, I believe, one, one of the, the major concerns regarding all crypto. And of course, it applies more to Ethereum, given that, let's say, an OFAC sa- sanction can apply to uh, Stake, major staking pools in the system that have to comply with those uh, sanctions. Um, but it still applies to Bitcoin in the sense that UTXOs get, can get blacklisted and that, therefore you can see a goldification of it uh, where you know certain coins that haven't been involved with nefarious activity could be deemed untradeable. Uh, especially under U.S. regulation, and therefore Bitcoin uses fungibility, right? So those coins or ETH or whatever uh, lose value, right? So instead of trading at market value, you can see them trading at um, you know ten percent discount or whatever the market assigns to that. When so you- we're keeping a close uh, we're keeping a close eye on that. Um, we we are especially as the merge because the transition to proof of stake does increase um, that risk, especially for Ethereum, regardless of being a risk for all crypto. And as we look at this, the piece to me that becomes the most interesting is you specifically called out centralization and the ability to resist some of this uh, is a test for centralization. Uh, How do you guys think about is there a, a line in the sand? Hey, you have to be this decentralized. Uh, is there a way to measure centralization versus decentralization? Uh, or is it more so uh, you try to evaluate it given the information you have, but there's no right answer? Um, there's great nuance on that because you have several dimensions of decentralization that you have to consider, right? You have ownership is one, which I think it's overstated, meaning what, what if a, a single entity owns a lot of Bitcoin or ETH or whatever and then dumps on the market? Still, at a protocol level, it has no effect, right? It only has effect on, on price activity and, and, and the market as a whole. On a protocol level or a game theoretical economic level, it's more concerning. So you have to look. Uh, ultimately, I think uh, so far, uh, we have some research on that coming up uh, in, in, in a few months. But ultimately, I, I believe that the cost to run a node 
is the most basic and yet important or fundamental metric to determine decentralization. This, this argument call, comes from post uh, stores. And um, I believe it's um, crucial to determine the, um, the, you know, the possibility of, of a network getting attacked on a protocol level. Why? Because the cheaper the node, um, the, um, the easier to combat uh, an attacker with a lot of capital, right? Or hashing power or staking power in the case of Ethereum soon. Um, so we have research on that uh, coming up in the, in, in the next few months. So um, we'll let you guys know um, as that publication approaches. Awesome. The last thing that you touched on in the report, uh, which is kind of the talk of all of financial markets, is uh, the macro environment. And inflation continues to uh, kind of accelerate. Um, the Fed seems to be relatively ineffective in getting inflation down, uh, although they are creating tighter financial conditions. What is your read or, or why include this in the report? Is it just that the macro environment is kind of the most important thing right now? Or are there other considerations as to uh, how maybe the macro environment and inflation interact with Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies? Yeah, it's important to have the, the, the macro session. Like you, you can argue, you know, high conviction that the macro uh, as an overall um, signal has become extremely, if not the most valuable uh, source of information for determining uh, Bitcoin and crypto price action as well. Uh, this since COVID, the COVID melt meltdown March 2020. Um, this was a period where most of the price discovery of the asset or, or crypto asset, especially Bitcoin and Ethereum, and therefore through correlation, algorithmic uh, trading and, and all that crypto as a well. whole. This was the moment uh, where institutions, especially U.S. institutions, starting to participate and partake in you know, huge amount of the price action of Bitcoin on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, this has to stop. That's why you've seen you know, the correlation. It pretty much tells you uh, what's the, um, how much of the, you know, um, the change of one asset is being impacted or inferred from, from another asset. And you've seen this with NASDAQ and S&P being higher, highly correlated analyzed uh, versus Bitcoin and Ethereum in the lab since COVID. So we're keeping an eye on that. In the general context, the narrative is pretty much the same. As you guys look at uh, the home inventories, you've called out that it is indicating a recession. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the idea of a recession, uh, obviously, we have uh, some folks, uh, whether it's at the central bank or, or in politics, that say uh, we're not in a recession. Look at the labor market. Look at other you know data points. Um, but then folks from the finance market, they seem to be much more convinced that, yes, this is a recessionary period and, and uh, there could be more pain ahead. How do you kind of just think through this? Well, that's the, the you know, we, we entitled it, uh, we, we named it uh, the Fed is between the rock of inflation and the hard place of recession, right? There seems to be no, on a monetary policy level, there seems to be no way out of either inflating prices and, and crashing the market and, you know, uh, stagnating growth severely in the economy. So, sorry about that. Um, so, it, it, it pretty much determines uh, Powell's decision, who you know seems to be evoking uh, Volcker severely in the last few months. 
So it seems to be very much um, with a high intent of tampering inflation, um, even uh, at the risk of uh, um, having negative growth and therefore a very severe recession. Uh, we believe uh, this is the, the most bearish case for Bitcoin at this point. Um, despite, you've seen the on-chain metrics and a few technicals. We are uh, uh, severely oversold uh, on a cyclical level. Despite that, the correlation between uh, equities and, and, and crypto is so severe that we stay cautious um, uh, on what, what, what the macro and therefore, you know, CPI prints uh, and Fed meetings determine in, in the months going forward. And as you think about Bitcoin's performance so far, you know, is it holding up compared to the macro environment? Or do you feel like, you know, it's kind of suffered at the hands of the Fed, just like every other asset? And if the Fed continues for another 12 months, we should expect more pain in the Bitcoin market? Or how do you kind of think about the, that relationship moving forward? One scenario is just chop until, let's say, next year. Um, pretty much looking for peak inflation, right? Uh, statistically, um, equities bottom exactly or a month before peak inflation, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a, a, a major event we're looking into. Um, but it, it, it's still up in the air when that happens. Um, a lot of macro implications going into that and how the CPI is calculated. Um, there's a lot of debate on that, of course. Uh, and on top of that, how, um, you know, <clears throat> how Powell determines uh, risk on and risk off environments going forward. Um, now, interestingly, for specifically for, for Bitcoin, uh, an interesting data point that, that we found uh, on a four-year basis, uh, if you take a tagger of that, meaning a compound annual growth rate on a four-year time horizon, uh, for the first time, Bitcoin, after being between, let's say, 100 and 200 and change percent uh, range for about six years on that CAGR, <clears throat> that dropped this year uh, for the first time to between 30 and 100 percent. Um, so this was expected to some extent, meaning um, Bitcoin, even the price is an S-curve. So you're going to have diminishing returns. So you're going to increase it at an diminished rate. Um, it seems to be, the, but for the first time, we're noticing this year in terms of overall performance metrics, CAGRs, chart ratios, etc. cetera, um, you know, Bitcoin's uh, growth um, still increasing, but at a diminished rate. So I, I just thought that was uh, interesting overall. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. When you guys put these out, where can people find the uh, the monthly reports that you're going to continue to do each month? Um, yeah, um, you can um, look for them in um, arc-invest.com. Uh, we, we have a dedicated crypto uh, uh, section where you can like pretty much download and subscribe to, to the Bitcoin Monthly. We have upcoming activity in that section in the next few months as well. So... Uh, check in from time to time. And then where can people find you on Twitter if they want to uh, follow up with some of the stuff that you said here or uh, or get more information that you continue to put out? Uh, yeah, my my handle is uh, deepwellarc. Yeah, deepwellarc. Awesome. Well, David, listen, thank you so much for, uh, for, for jumping on real quick. Uh, these reports are, you know, 
they're very fast to read through, uh, but they're incredibly high signal. So I appreciate you and the ARC team continuing to put them together. Uh, I enjoy reading them. I know many other people do as well. Uh, and they just give a great kind of understanding of, hey, here's what's going on uh, in the moment over the last month. Uh, and, and they're kind of these great checking points. So if anyone hasn't uh, gone and downloaded them, I uh, highly suggest you do that. Follow David on uh, Twitter, and, uh, and then we'll talk again next month. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed this one. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you're looking to transition into a brand new job in the Bitcoin or crypto industry, we've got you covered. Head over to thecryptoacademy.io. My team and I have been working with the top HR teams in the industry to develop an intensive three-week training program with over 50 live events. We teach you exactly what you need to know to break into the industry, including live interview prep and resume review. Our students have been hired at over 75 of the world's best Bitcoin and crypto companies. Go to thecryptoacademy.io to learn more. Again, that's thecryptoacademy.io. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you share it with your friends, and I'll see you all for the next episode.